My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place a spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. Now, I don't know about you, but I am now drawn to natural products, whether it's skincare, hair products, my clothes that I'm wearing. And so I'm happy to be able to say that this month I've teamed up with Clockface Beauty luxury skincare brand. Clockface Beauty is a vegan, 100% natural and entirely waterless beauty brand, which transforms skincare that nourishes and heals your skin. And I've been using their cleansers and their makeup removers for quite a few years now, and I really love their products. And I'm so delighted to be able to say that Out of the Bubble podcast listeners will receive a 10% discount from Monday the 8th of March until Sunday the 4th of April. Just use the code BUDDLE10. And if you've never heard of them, please go check out clockfacebeauty.com. And full disclosure, I may receive a small remuneration for any of the sales made through this affiliation link. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble Podcast. My name is Rachel Peru. I hope you've all had a good week. I've been feeling so grateful to the amount of amazing women that have been coming forward, wanting to share their stories on the podcast. And today's guest is no exception. Today we're going to be talking to Chandra Schultz. And Chandra is a integrative life coach and energy healer and somebody who has overcome some huge hurdles in life, um, including having a um, dramatic, traumatic a brain injury that left her without memory for six years. Um, she's going to be telling us how she overcome all these huge hurdles, but also how she's now rebuilt her life and is helping others. So grab a coffee, sit back and enjoy. Good morning, Chandra. Thank you good so morning, much for joining Rachel. me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Rachel. And I'll say good morning to you because you've been, you've got up super early for me at seven o'clock this morning because you're in Colorado. <laughs> so thank you. I really appreciate that. Of course. It's my pleasure. So for people that don't know you, Chandra, we've connected through Instagram and through, through Facebook, which I you know another social media contact. I love that platform. Uh, for people that don't know you, how do you describe yourself? Um, so do you mean in like a business sense or just an overall sense? Overall, how do you introduce overall? yourself to people? I introduced myself to people as a extremely spiritual uh, woman who has, I, I guess I call myself a comeback kid. Um, and I, and I, I let people know that no matter what life can do to try and bring you down, you can always find the good in it and turn it around. Yeah. I love so. the comeback kid. That's, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Isn't it? That's yes, amazing. To it say is. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know where to start with your journey because you have overcome so many different hurdles to get to where you are now flourishing. So I guess we have to start back at the beginning. You know, where does your story start in terms of, of the first kind of big hurdles in life that you really struggled with? So as a young child, um, at, a, at a young age of six, I actually dealt with sexual assault. Um, and it was very brief, but as with any child, it would had a big impact on my life. And I wouldn't know that until I was in my late teens. Um, and I dealt with it, the first thing that I really dealt with after that was because I didn't understand what had happened. I started to blame myself. So I started to become a compulsive overeater 
and then I would get other forms of disordered eating. And I was picked on throughout my, my time at school because I was so different. I've always been very, as we call it now, woo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was always the strange kid. I was always very, very smart, thinking far ahead of what I was, you know, supposed to be at, at, at different ages. And so I felt ostracized. And I just continued to do my own thing. But I was always searching for the love and the friendship and companionship. And after I graduated high school, I found that. Um, I got really heavily into the, um, the party culture here in the United States. They call them raves. Uh, I know that sometimes yeah. they call festivals over in, in, yeah. the, in the UK. Um, and it was great. I found my tribe, or at least I thought I found my tribe. And I went through a lot of really traumatic things in that time. I lost a lot of friends to addiction or to traumatic events. Um, in that time, my father got sick with cancer and I had to watch him slowly pass. So life just got really, really difficult. And I always kept saying to myself, why is this happening to me? What, what have I done wrong? You know, I always thought it was something I did. Um, and I later came to realize as I leaned on my spirituality that it wasn't anything that I did specifically. It was more of the life that I wanted to, as a spiritual individual, experience. But I didn't understand that. You know, we don't have that that foresight at that at, at that point until we go through some of these things. Yeah. Um, I had a child very young. I was 22, and I was a single mom. And the relationship I had been in with her biological father, or now there because they they're they're non-binary. Um, the relationship I had with their father was very abusive and I did everything I could to save them from dealing with it, but I didn't really, I sacrificed myself. Um, and I fell deep into addiction and I stayed there for almost another eight years after I had my daughter and went through a lot more traumatic type events. And I kept asking myself, why, what is going on? What is, what am I going to, what, why is this happening to me? I didn't really know the why until I was 31. And at 31, I had been, at that point in my life, I had really been beat down. I was, I had gone through some really bad mental health problems. I was extremely overweight for a number of years and then got, well, I got to a healthy weight, but it wasn't in a healthy way. Um, And then one day, and this is where I learned to start listening to my intuition. One day I was, uh, it had been raining and I remember hearing myself say, Hey, you know, you shouldn't go out to work. Like, don't, don't go drive. Just don't go drive. And I, I, I pushed it off. I said, no, no, that's just, I don't want to work. So I'm just going to make myself do it. Um, I later found out that that was the intuitive hit from the universe trying to tell me, Hey, if you go out today, something bad's going to happen. And it did. Um, I found myself in a really traumatic car accident where I had suffered a brain injury and I did not remember my life. Which I just can't, I mean, to go through all that you've just explained and gone through and all that self-sabotage and all that, 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 those issues that you've had to deal with, to then get to that point, I can't imagine how near, did you know instantly after the crash that you had these injuries or was, you know, how did that manifest itself? So um, 
as soon as I, I, I had been knocked unconscious because the car I was in, I was driving and I was in the car accident and the car was totaled and I came to, and everything felt really weird. I, I was like, something's off. And if you've ever seen the movie 13 going on 30 with Jennifer yes. Garner, yeah. that's exactly how it felt. Um, I literally looked at myself in the mirror of my, my rearview mirror. And I was like, that's not me. Who is this person? Wow. Like what? And I, I had this disconnect and I remembered saying to myself, okay, I need to do something. And I couldn't quite remember what I needed to do, but I looked down and I happened to see my phone. So I picked it up and I called, I looked through it and I was like, okay, I don't recognize any of these names or numbers, but the, the word that stood out was mom. And it was like, I had this knowing, okay, that's who I need to call. So I called and I let my mom know that I had been in a car accident. I was very, my, um, I was very like, I'm trying to think of the word. I, I know the technical term, which is flat affect, but it's very like, you're just not emotional. And like, I was just like, hi, I've been in an accident. Can you come get me? And um, my mom didn't recognize anything was wrong because of course she's just thinking, oh my God, my daughter's been in an accident. I've got to go sit, uh, go get her. And when she showed up, um, I saw her and I recognized the picture that was on my phone. So I was like, and I kind of saw, looked at her and I was like, okay, she looks a little bit like me after what I've seen in the mirror. And then she said my name and I was like, okay, it didn't quite feel right. The name that she was calling me, but I looked around at my papers I'd given the officers and stuff. So I knew that was the name that I had. And then the next moment I remember, and this is the most poignant thing that ever happened in my life was I saw this little girl run out from behind my mom and she just came up and grabbed me around the legs and screamed, mommy, oh my God, I'm, I, you, you're alive. And I just kind of like did this freeze thing. Cause I was like, this child, she was nine at the time. They were nine at the time. And I was like, what? I, and I looked at myself and I'm like, I'm a mom. I felt like I was a teenager. I was like, there's no way I could have this, this child that was almost, almost a teenager themselves. I was like, what is this? But I didn't know how to tell them what was going on. So I went along with it. Gosh. And I wrote a, yeah, I, uh, I wrote a blog post off of a uh, journaling uh, ch challenge that I did. And I remember writing in the blog post that in those moments, I had to have faith that these people knew me. I had to have faith that they weren't gonna do anything bad to me. And I had to trust them that they were saying who they, they, who they were and all of this. And I went home with them, but I didn't tell them for weeks. I mean, my daughter didn't know for almost a year and a half that I had this brain injury that I forgot. Um, I, yeah, I, I felt like I was living a lie because I couldn't tell them that I didn't remember them because I knew that they'd already gone through such a huge trauma of almost losing me to tell them that I wasn't who they thought I was. I felt like I was a fraud. So you still had that subconscious to, enough to, to, to know that you didn't want to hurt people that, mm -hmm. that, that, that were here, that, you've, that, yeah. you, that you knew you had this connection with but couldn't figure it out. It's interesting that you yes. still had that within you, didn't you? Yeah, it was like a knowing. And that was the first time that I really understood that my intuition was something real mm. and that like it wasn't just something to be pushed off. And I remember walking in the door of the house that first night and seeing all the pictures of myself with them. And that's when it sealed it in like, this is your family. You may not remember them. That's okay. 
And I remember going into the bathroom and looking myself in the mirror and saying, who are you? Like, who are you? And it took me on a journey that I spent the last six and a half, almost seven years of finding out who I am. But in order to find out who I who I am now, I had to find out who I was because I, I didn't know. And I, it was such like, it felt like a moral imperative for me to find out who I was. I feel mm. like it was, and, and that's where I realized that so many of those programs and beliefs started to come through at that point that were just automatic in, our, in my brain. It was like, okay, who am I? So I searched to find who I was. Um, and I happened to find that I had 12 years worth of journals. And I went through and I read them like cover to cover multiple times. And I still didn't know who I was. I was like, well, this person is a very sad, very angry, very bitter person. And I don't want to be this person because I had been, I mean, I was, I dealt with a lot of trauma, a lot of loss, a lot of abuse, and I didn't want to be that person anymore. And so I, I remember, um, I happened to be Celtic pagan and I looked around my room because I, I literally locked myself in my room for almost three weeks. I was so scared of letting them know who I was or wasn't, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, I got to a point where I was so depressed that I was like, if, if I don't do something, I'm going to have to kill myself because I can't be here anymore. It just mm -hmm. doesn't work. It, it's not, it doesn't feel good to be here being in this space. And I remember looking and I saw a book um, about Celtic paganism in my, all my books that I had in my room. And so I sat down and read and it was, it was in June of 2014 that this all happened. And so this, the, the summer solstice was coming up and I remember something in me just, I, I, I was, as I was sitting there, I was like, what am I to do? And I heard, I got really quiet and I heard this voice say, ask the goddess what to do. And I was like, oh, okay, how do I do that? And I heard a voice say, dedicate yourself. So, okay. So I went to my books and I learned, and I literally wrote down like this dedication. And I, on the 21st of June in 2014, I lit a candle. I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm dedicating my life to you. And um, it happened to be the Celtic Breed. Um, that I decided to, to dedicate to you. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to dedicate myself to you. And whatever is meant for me, please send it to me. Of course, I've come to learn you need to be a little bit more careful when you ask for what you want, because the universe will literally send you anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was so funny because on the 24th of June, my daughter happened to meet my now husband. And she saw him, um, he had come, she had parked her bike in his spot and she had, he had come home in his black truck and it happened to be in the garage spot next to ours. And apparently he'd been living across the street from us for six months and I had never seen him, <laughs> um, but I'd seen his truck. I, I didn't start, as things started to slowly, slowly, it took almost six years to, to get it all to come back. But slowly things came back and I started to remember, oh, well I saw his truck there. She decided that she was going to park her bike because she was playing with a friend. And um, when he came home, he asked her to move it. And he happened to be in the military at the time. And she saw his uniform and she asked him if he was in service. And he said yes. And she said, thank you for your service and skipped off. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, she had been watching the Lindsay Lohan version of Parent Trap at that time. (laughs) (laughs) And she got it into her little nine-year-old brain, or their little nine-year-old brain, that this was going to make mommy happy. So she set me up the next day doing the same thing for me to meet him. And when I saw him, and I saw him in his uniform, I said, thank you for your service. He connected the two of us together. And then he looked down at my wrists, and I have these tattoos. Um, you can see them here. Oh, yeah. Keltra, triketra. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, I love your triketra. And I just kind of stopped, and I was like, what? Like, it's not a very common yeah. thing here, especially in the United States. And for him to know how to say it and know what it was, I was like, what? And I listened, and I was like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. This is what you're sending to me. And we have been together ever since that night. That was June 25th of 2014. That's such a great story. I love that. Yeah. Amazing. How did you get, what was the journey? I mean, at what point did you, after the accident, did you go and seek medical advice and say, listen, there is something not right. How did you get that help in the end? So I went to, my mom had me go to our chiropractor that we had known for our entire lives who had worked on me from the time I was little, worked on my daughter, you know, all of us through multiple accidents, through my dad's sicknesses. Um, He was like a second dad to me. Mm -hmm. And so my mom took me to him and I, I told him, I said, you can't tell anyone, but I I don't know who you are. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't remember anything. Um, And he was, at first he didn't believe me Mm -hmm. Um, because of my addictive past he thought, oh, well, she's just, you know, a lot of people did. Yeah. And it, 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 even though he was able to see that I had the brain injury, he didn't, he was like, I don't know if you're actually dealing with what you're dealing with. So it took me almost six months after that point to actually go and get someone to look at me. And, and because I, I started having the speech and all this, and it was actually my husband who prompted me to do it. He was like, hey, I've noticed you're having some speech issues. I noticed you're having some struggle. I, um, my mom had said something to me, why aren't you reading? And apparently I had been an avid reader before reading somewhere upwards of two to 300 books a year. And um, now I found that now is that was my escape. So I was trying to keep myself sober by reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just ended up teaching myself a lot of different things because I read a lot of romance novels. And so I expected life to be a certain <laughs> way that it yeah. wasn't. And so she had said to me, you know, you're not reading. And I was like, well, I can't. I can't understand the words. They don't make sense to me. They're jumbled. And I had been having the speech issues and they had noticed that I had been singing a lot um, as to responses. Like I would sing, I would respond in, in song. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you know, let's, let's get just looked at. And unfortunately, I was on Medicaid at, at, at the time. And so I wasn't able to go as quickly as I would have liked to. It took almost six months for me to see somebody and a lot happens in that time. So when I finally did see someone, they were like, okay, yeah, we see you've got these issues. They still couldn't say anything about the, um, about the amnesia because they were like, we don't understand it. Like, why don't, we don't know why it happens. We know, you know, when you have a massive brain injury that things like that happen, but there's no telltale signs of yes this person has it or this person doesn't so they just kind of had to believe me um and I'm grateful for the doctors believing me because they were the first ones outside of my husband to do so my mom was very traumatized at the time so she didn't believe anything that I was saying Mm -hmm. as far as 
I was having this, this trouble. And she actually thought that I was, and I found out later it was because our, our um, chiropractor had been talking to her and he didn't believe me. And so they kind of together started believing their own stories. Um, and so they made life very challenging for me for a while because I kept, I kept remembering my mom saying to me, don't you remember? Don't you remember? This is what you used to do, trying to tell me this is how I was, but it didn't feel in alignment with who I, I was becoming. And so it was a very challenging time for about a year and a half. Um, we went through a lot of internal family issues mm -hmm. um, to the point that my mom and I, who had been like best friends, and I later came to find out we were actually codependent with each other. Um, so she had had a break mentally and was just in a very different place than I even understood at that time. Mm -hmm. And we ended up having a lot of um, family fights. And finally, I was like, you know, I need to, I, I can't continue doing this. It's, it's affecting my health and I need to figure things out. I can't be the best version of myself when we're constantly fighting every day. And, and this isn't good for my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had my mom, my mom moved out and my daughter went to go live with uh, my mom. And I started the journey at that point. And that was in 2016. I started the journey towards really finding out how to heal myself and recover. So that was a challenge for a year and a half. I really couldn't do anything other than just fight for my life. Yeah. And, I, and how does it, when you got to that point, when you could start rebuilding again, how easy was it to accept the past that had gone and to accept that that person was somebody very different to who you are now? Was there a real conflict there? Oh yes, definitely. Um, one of the biggest things that I had found in myself was that the person I was before did not have any faith. Um, was a very, the person I was before had become very dark, very depressed, just didn't want to live. And I actually remember when I went, when I started reading through my journals and I got to the year closest to when my accident happened, I actually started to find a recurring theme of, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. I'm not, life doesn't have any meaning to me. I don't want to live. And it was so crazy because I looked at the person I was in the mirror and I was like, I, I want to live. I, I, I have a desire to live. I want to be here. I want to be able to enjoy my life. I can't imagine that I would get to the space where I'd actually be asking for death. But as things started to come back to me, as my memories started to get re-triggered based upon different things and I happened to live in the same city for my entire life pretty much. So I would be triggered by just random signs. Mm -hmm. And I started to remember why she was the way she was. And I was like, mm, I can't, I can't go back there. I don't want to go back there. I want to be living in the light. I don't want to live in the darkness anymore. I had to find out though, that I had to go to those dark places in order to heal what was holding me back. And so it was, it, it was a very, um, it was a challenging time because I had to, I remember um, my husband actually said to me at the time, he was like, honey, you need to let her go. You've got to let her go. And it was, it was at that time that I started to take on the name that I now have, which is Chandra. This, that wasn't my birth name. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel in connection with that name anymore. 
And I realized that the only way I was going to be able to let her go was to take and burn all of the journals that I had for 12 years that I had been ruminating on. I had to burn that energy. I had to let it go. And that's what I did. And I said, from that moment forward, I was going to start finding out who I am, not who I was. Yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, as, as awful as that experience is, and I cannot begin to imagine, it has actually given you a second chance at life, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I know, looking on a positive oh, yeah. side, it has given you this whole new, mm-hmm. new way of you being able to say, okay, what do I really want out of life and go for it, which is empowering. Oh, yes. It is. It's very empowering. And what I remember and what I, and what I hold to even now is that not everyone gets a second chance. Mm -hmm. And I have so many people, my dad, you know, my best friends that passed away while um, in my early twenties, even, you know, animals and things like that, that have gone since I'm like, they don't get that second chance. Not everybody gets this. What are you? And and that was my thing is I remember writing myself down in my, in some of my newer journals. I was like, you have a second chance what are you going to do with it? And when that, when that moment hit, it was like, okay, what am I here to do? What's, what's my life really about? What's my purpose? I started to think about the things that were outside of me that created who I was. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to realize, okay, I'm a healer. And when I looked back on it, I had always been a healer. Like I remember my mom actually later saying to me that when I was little, when I I started to do uh, different healing modalities like Reiki and shamanic medicine. And my mom said to me, well, you know, when you were a little girl, you used to go and put your hands on people and you would send, you'd say, tell them you were sending them love and light and they would feel better. At the time, I didn't realize I was using my own energy, not source energy, which is, I I later came to realize that's what I needed to be doing. But I realized that I had this purpose of healing, helping people to heal. And that I was here. And as I started to delve deeper and deeper into my spirituality, I found that I actually was here to help to lead others who have gone through similar situations or through have gone through other situations where it feels like life is just ready to be over. And you're like, I just want to be done with it. It's like, but do you really? Like, is that really what you want? Or is it just that you want to find a way out? And so I dedicated my life to becoming the healer that I now am. And I've spent the last four and almost five years working towards that end. That's really beautiful. It's interesting because I interviewed um, a lady called Jennifer McKenzie, who's had a very similar experience to you in terms of you know, the, the issues that she had as a young, young adult and young woman with addictions. And she had a really difficult time. And, and very similar to you, said that when she was younger, she, had, she knew, looking back now, that she had this ability to heal. And, and her parents talked about it as being a young child, but it was that inability to heal yourself first, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That you yes, to it work really through. was. Oh yeah, it really was. And I spent the greater part of the last five years working on that. Mm-hmm. And I, it's so funny because I did, I, I found myself in a place where I was able to move headlong into like the, the processing of mental stuff. But what I found along the way as I was doing all of that is that it was the doing. I wasn't allowing it to actually release from my body. And so I found out that, you know, the body actually holds a lot. Like we don't, while our brain holds all the storing of the processing like a computer, our bodies are what hold a lot of that information as well because we have all of our neurons and we have all of our everything throughout the body. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, 
okay, so I can process up here as much as I want, but if I also don't allow my body to feel it and heal it, it's just going to keep affecting me. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea. That's interesting because I, I really like doing yoga, and mm-hmm. uh, I've only just been reading out it recently. But whenever I do certain types of yoga, I, I find myself at the end of it with tears rolling down my face and I couldn't work yeah. out why it's like this is pathetic what's going on and, then, and I read about it and it is that your body mm-hmm. releasing the yeah. the inner stuff in a different physical way through the yoga yep. and it's really interesting how our bodies can adapt isn't it oh it is it's amazing um there's an amazing book called the body keeps the score and it was reading that book when I was able to start reading again um that really helped me to understand that you know your body has its own muscle memory and it's that memory that's remembering everything. And so no matter what you work through in your brain, if you don't work it through in your body, whether it be by yoga or by massage or myofascial or any of these other types of modalities, it's still going to be there. Mm -hmm. So you may be like, well, why is this happening to me? I've, I've worked through this, this, this trauma. Well, yeah, you worked through it mentally, but did you work through it physically? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But you, you talked a lot about um, how, you know, especially at the beginning of this process, you really had to trust mm-hmm. what was going on and you had to trust the process. And I think a lot of women, particularly yeah. in, in, in midlife, do have to, to get find that trust again to realise oh, yeah. that they, they, they can do what they want to do and that, mm-hmm. that, that self-belief. And what oh, advice yeah. could you give to women that are feeling lost for whatever reason that do need to find that trust in themselves again? Mm-hmm. I think the first thing I would say is ask yourself, like give yourself one thing that you absolutely love and then work from there. Because if you find that you're lost, it's likely, it's more that you've kind of lost your own sense of purpose and and, and therefore then lost who you are. Because a lot of women, and I found this throughout the last seven years with it from my accident even, is we, we find ourselves remembering that we're supposed to be givers and we're supposed to do and we're supposed to you know focus on everything outside of ourselves and we do that to such an extent that we forget to focus on what's going on inside ourselves and we and we and we lose our sense of self um my husband in the process of all this um got released from active duty and then became permanently disabled and i had to take on caregivership And I remember at the beginning, I was so frustrated because I was like, I have to choose between him and me. And so many women, especially at midlife, have had to choose or feel like they had to choose either being a mom, being a career woman, being a wife, doing all of this, and they lose their sense of self. Yeah. So the first thing you have to do is you have to go, you have to get back to you. Mm. Like you have to be like, okay, who am I? And if who I am doesn't align with who I desire being, how can I shift that? What can I do? What can I, how can I get in tune with what I really want in life? And that's where I see a lot of women, especially women I work with, they're like, I, I don't know. I've been a mom my, you know, my entire adult life, or I've been a wife or, or I've, I'm dealing with all of, you know, I didn't have, I didn't become a mom and a wife because I was told that I needed to have a career. And now I'm 45, 50, 60 years old, and I'm sitting here going, I didn't have any children. I didn't have a family. Where, what, what value do I have? And our value is within ourselves. We are valuable because we are. And that's the first thing I would say to any woman, any listener, is that find, that, find what, what lights you up and go from there. 
because everything else will fall into place. When you find out what lights you up and who you are truly deep down inside, and, and it is a process. Sometimes you have to go through the, the, the mucky stuff. You have to do with all the traumas. You have to release all of that because kind of like Shrek says in, in, in the movie, we're all like onions. We have layers. And so we have to peel back all of these layers to find out who we are because those are the layers that society in our families, in our culture, and our, our limiting beliefs have put on us. So we lose our sense of self. Yeah, yeah. And you are a perfect example of how you have completely, you know, you did physically you know, lose yourself and now you found yourself <laughs> again. Do you yeah. feel like, you know, when you look at the whole experience now, would, would you change anything? Are you glad that this experience has happened to you looking back because it's made you who you are now? Or do you wish you could turn the clocks back and leave? I won't lie and say there aren't times that I wish I could turn the clock back. Mm. Um, especially after I met my husband looking and I started to, to, to remember parts of my life and start to realize, oh man, I'd been heading towards you for so many years and I kept making, I kept letting fear override me and I would run away. Yeah. And I wouldn't go towards where my heart was feeling drawn. I, so it's not that I want to change the past. It's that I just wish that I had listened to myself, that inner voice sooner. Yeah. Cause then maybe I wouldn't have had to go through all of that. Then it, but then I looked at it on the flip side and I'm like, if I hadn't gone through all of that, I wouldn't be who I am. And I absolutely love who I am now versus I didn't really love myself before. Mm. I, I, I could say I love you. And I'd, was very vain I'd look in the mirror and be like oh yeah I love you like you're hot like mm. I I was very external it wasn't internal yeah and so the, the you know and of course the, the 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 adolescent part of me wants to go well yeah you you know turn back the clock you don't have to why why do you want to deal with all this pain but I have a saying that from pain comes strength and from strength comes resilience and from resilience comes life mm. And so I look at that and I'm like, if I didn't have all of that, I wouldn't have these, I wouldn't be who I am. And yeah. I, I absolutely love and adore who I am, you know? Yeah, so. brilliant. I'd love to hear that. And are you back, 100% back to, to, is your brain back to how it should be now at this stage? I, I believe to, to, for the most part, yes. Mm. Um, I remember I can, I, it took me six years um, it wasn't until 20, mid 2020, and, and I started really doing some deep work on my um, healing of like traumas that I started to to unlock things. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I would like to say that yes, I'm 100% back. I don't know if I am completely, just because I I mean I I can remember things in mom in the moments, but to try and recall some stuff at times. I don't, I don't have that all there. Yeah. However, I do know that the more I continue to do the trauma work and, and integrate all these parts of myself that have been lost or, or stuck in, you know, the traumas that more and more will come back. Yeah. And so it's just, it just takes time. And I love but the I, fact that you're sharing these experiences and turning it into positive by helping other women. So what mm -hmm. kind of work do you do with other women? So with other women, I, I'm, I'm an integrative life coach. Um, I, I use the term that I'm a spiritual midwife and holistic alchemist. And I say that because I help women birth the greatest, their like authentic self. So I, I consider myself a midwife in that way, but I'm doing it through a spiritual lens of being like, okay, who do you want to be? Who, where, where are you at? And who are you right now? And who do you want to be? And how can we get there? 
what what steps do you need to take to release who you were so you can really be your authentic self and that's truly what I know most of us want to be just to be our authentic selves like being who we doing what we love having having the life of our dreams you know being fully realized and actualized in our daily life and be like I have purpose I have meaning I'm, I'm doing something important for me and so I help women to create that, to find that in themselves. Um, so using different coaching techniques and parts work, meditation, um, going in, I'll walk with them into the shadows of their trauma and be like, okay, let me hold your hand. We'll go as far as you, as you're ready to go. Let's shine a little bit of light on that. And then we can come back and we can integrate that. And then we can take a little and go further. Um, so kind of taking other people through the process that I did for myself. Um, and then I, I do energy healing along the way with that. So I kind of, I create this whole modality where I'm not only doing the parks work and the shadow work and, the, and teaching meditation and all of that, but I'm actually teaching them how to heal themselves. I connect them with their inner light, with their inner source. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. How can people find you, Chandra? Sure. So I am, uh, I have a website. Uh, I got the woo. So I G O T T H E W O O.com. Uh, I am on Instagram at Celtic healer Chandra and that's C E L T I C healer S H A N D R A. Uh, I am on uh, Facebook, uh, face, uh, healings of light and love by Chandra. And, um, those are all my socials. And I, I did want to offer any listeners, if they're interested in, in, in finding out what I do and how I might be able to, to be a guide for them, uh, for a 50% off any sessions I do. So the code is love and light. Okay, I'll um, put that all on the show yeah. notes. So Great. Yeah. Well. That'd be amazing. Thank so, you. Of course. Yeah. My last question that I ask all my guests, because I think women are, are particularly bad at accepting compliments. So mm -hmm. if you were to pay yourself a compliment, Chandra, what would it be? Mm. you are an amazing shining star and your light is so illuminating that you're always going to be able to find your way perfect way to end thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story what an incredible journey and i'm so glad to hear that the, the positive outcome from it um, you know it's been amazing to talk to you so thank you so much really appreciate your time Thank you. I, I enjoyed being here with, your, with you, Rachel. Lovely to connect. Thank you so much. Take care. Ah, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what an inspiring um, interview with Chandra. And uh, I can't begin to imagine what it must have felt like to have been in the wilderness for those, those years of not really knowing who you are. And also what a reminder about journaling. So let's uh, remind ourselves to journal a lot more because you never know when you're going to need it. I'm a huge fan of journaling and also write a gratitude journal every night as well. Certainly through the pandemic, it's been a huge source of comfort for me and it's really kept me uh, grounded and to remember the things that are important in life. So, you know, perhaps Chandra's story is a definite reminder of, of journaling a lot more and see if it works for you. But it's about trusting your instincts, isn't it? And I think in midlife, we, we do have to refine that sometimes because, you know, life gets in the way. So if, if this is uh, reminded me of anything, is to trust your gut instinct and to trust yourself and to, to follow your dreams and, and to know that it's, you know, put it out there and see what happens. So really great to, to talk to Chandra. I will be back next week with another dose of inspiration for you. Um, but in the meantime, have a great week. 
Thank you for listening to Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you found lots of inspiration and it's left you with some midlife food for thought. How would you compliment yourself? I'd love to hear from you so I can share some love for all you women over 40. Please get in touch. Email me, rachel at outofthebubblepodcast.com. You can also come and join the Facebook page at Step Out of the Bubble. I'll be back next Monday, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.